and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina and this is the first in our Advent series. As usual, everything we need to follow the service is both on our printed order of service and on the screen. And uh, it's lovely to have Jenny back with us this morning and lovely to see Steve too. Steve doesn't often get the chance to be with us on a Sunday morning. It's great that you're here, Steve. And we hope that you both enjoy this time with us. Uh, please stay for tea and coffee at the end of the So today we begin our Advent journey, which takes us up the four Sundays, along the four Sundays, until we reach Christmas. Our call to worship this morning comes from the book of the prophet Zephaniah, not exactly the most well-known of the prophets, I suspect. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will rescue the lame and gather those who have been scattered. I will give them praise and honour in every land where they are put to shame. At that time, says God, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. And with those promises in mind, let's join together in our opening Advent hymn, O Day of God, Draw Near. This morning is taken from the Baptist resource gathering for worship and at the close of course we will join together in the Lord's Prayer in the languages and versions which for us are the most natural. So let us pray together. 
Advent God, we worship you, the God who comes. You are not remote from the world you have made, but each day you come to us, blessing us with your presence. You came in creation itself as your spirit moved over the waters of chaos. You came in Jesus Christ, made flesh in our world of weakness and need. You came in power to raise him from death, a mighty promise for all creation. Each day you come by your spirit, gently and powerfully working in the lives of men and women. At the end of time you will come in power and righteousness, in mercy and redeeming love. Grant us the grace to welcome your coming. Inflame our love to yearn for your presence. Enlarge our vision to recognise your coming day by day. We greet you, Advent God. And as we take our first steps on the Advent journey this year, we join our voices with those who travel with us, before us, and indeed behind us, as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
so here we are at the start of Advent. I wonder how anybody perhaps helps them, themselves to get along that way. How do you mark the journey along the Advent path? Does anybody do anything? Like candles, yep. Who's got an Advent calendar? Yeah, see. And you, a few people. Oh, Jeff's got one. And Andrew, so you've got one? Yep. And few, quite a few adults have got Advent calendars and Advent candles. Well, I thought it would be really nice if we could give our young people, our children and young people, uh, an Advent candle and an Advent calendar per household. Can't quite run to one per child. So I think I've got the names right. So if somebody from each of those families would just like to come and get them and take them home, use the calendar and the candle. Watch the candle. They burn very quickly. You probably get to burn it for about 10 minutes a day as it counts down the numbers. So Freya and Sarah, would one of you like to come? And Carl and Aidan? Have you? Ailey? Uh, and Nikan and Nikki are here, or somebody for them. Do you want to come and get it for them? That's grand, thank you. Benjamin and Bardia? Oops, nearly given away two there, that won't do. Don't think Bonnie's here, is she? Just to share, okay? Um, Esther and David? Um, is Heather here for Kurt? No. Nope. Okay. And I don't... Oh, there we go, sorry. And I don't think Ailey or John are here for Owen and Ethan, are they either? Nope. Okie doke. And I think we should send one to Layla via Neil. Where's Neil hiding? There we go. Okay, I think that's everybody. I kind of hope that's everybody. I will get the rest to the people who were not here. But of course, it's our tradition here to light Advent candles. We have our, our beautiful Advent wreath here. And it's also part of our tradition that our young people lead us in that. This year, we also have a little Christmas tree. And that's because some weeks we have two people to light one candle. So I thought, well, one child can light a candle and one can put the appropriate word on the Christmas tree. We'll see what happens. So over to you, Sarah, Freya, Benjamin and Bardia. May our hearts be filled with hope as we hear the promises God made to bless all the peoples on earth through Abraham and Sarah, the father and mother of our faith. Genesis told us, the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. We will light the candles to remember the ancestors of our faith, the candle of hope. Do you want to find the word hope in there and hang it on the tree? Uh, perhaps Freya you can help him to find the word hope because it's a bit tricky when they're cut out of wood and if you'd like to light one of the purple candles for us mm. 
Blessed are you, God of our ancestors, who called our forefathers and foremothers to live by the light of faith and to journey in the hope of your promised fulfilment. May we be obedient to your call and be ready and watchful to receive your Christ, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, for you are our light and our salvation. Lord Jesus, light of the world, born in David's city of Bethlehem, born like him to be a king, be born in our hearts at Christmas, rule in our lives today. Our first reading from scripture is from Matthew chapter 1, and we read from verse 1. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. And then some selected verses from Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute, his name was Rahab, and spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come only to search out the whole land. 
But the woman took the two men and hid them. Then she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I don't know. Pursue them quickly, for you can overtake them. She had, however, brought them up to the roof and hidden them with stalks of flax which she'd laid out on the roof. Before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that dread of you has fallen on us and on all the inhabitants of the land. They melt in fear before you. Now then, since I have dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, Our life for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, then we will deal kindly and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us this land. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the outer side of the city wall, and she resided within the wall itself. And finally, some selected verses from Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons or her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had had consideration for his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she'd been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you, or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, 
and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. The genealogy of Jesus, as recorded by Matthew, is, if you have the determination to work at it, an intriguing record of human activity. And in this part of the body of the Kirk, unfortunately not in this because we didn't have enough copies, I have put some, or Neil has put on my behalf, some copies of an annotated genealogy. It took me about seven hours, even with the help of the internet and the Bible, uh, to put this together. But it's a fascinating record of human life. There are heroes of the faith, there are people about whom we know nothing. And in amongst them are murderers, adulterers, liars and deceivers. The genealogy is divided into three sections and each of them claims to be 14 generations. And there are some near unpronounceable names, I think extra points to Anne for getting her tongue around all of those this morning. But in amongst them, we discover the names of four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth and Mary. And very clear mention is made of a fifth who is in this case unnamed, but we know from elsewhere that the wife of Uriah is Bathsheba. So this week and next week, we're going to focus on the stories of these women and bring those stories into conversation with that of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Today, I'm focusing on Rahab and Ruth, and next week, Holly will be guiding our thoughts on Tamar and Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Now, today's reflection, sermon, whatever you like to call it, comes with a little note of caution in relation to ancient genealogies. Because... Unlike the genealogies or family trees that we do that studiously get in every generation, and I'm currently struggling trying to find where my dad's father was born. It's really annoying, when he was born at least. In the ancient genealogies, they, they miss a few out here and there. And you'll actually discover, if you look through that printed thing, there are three missing, um, at least, 
from that genealogy according to the biblical record. But if we take Matthew's account at face value, and I'm going to do that for the purpose of today's reflection, it is quite possible that Rahab the prostitute was actually the second mother-in-law of Ruth the Moabite. And that seems to be an idea that is ripe for exploring, and that's where we're going to go today. So what I'm actually going to do is have an imagined conversation between Rahab and Ruth. I've no idea whether they ever met. We have no way of proving one way or the other. But if we take Matthew's genealogy literally, it is quite possible that they did, though we have no record of that. And because I'm a bit mischievous, and you know me by now that I like a bit of mischief, I'm also going to bring into that conversation a peasant girl from Nazareth by the name of Mary, who finds herself pregnant. We begin with Rahab. I'm so happy, Ruth. I've been hoping that Boaz would meet a girl he wanted to marry. And since you came into his life, it is just wonderful. You see, I've always been a bit worried, well, with my background and everything. I've always been afraid that, well, you know, mud sticks. And and because of who I am and, and what I am, that no one would want to be part of our family. You look surprised, don't you know? No, of course you don't. Why would you? It's not something we talk about. If I tell you, you might hate me. But you do have a kind face. And you did leave your homeland and come here with your widowed mother-in-law, Naomi. So, well, here goes. Where to begin? As you know, I am by birth a Canaanite, so yep, I'm a foreigner like you, an outsider here. But even within my own country, in my own home city of Jericho, I live right on the edge of society. Literally on the edge. My home was in the walls of the city, and you had to climb up a dark staircase to get to the top landing where my house was. One thing I really loved was to make fine linen, and it was wonderful having access to the roof where I could lay out the stalks of flax to dry before I spun them and then wove the thread. But mine was a double life. I was a weaver by day and a whore by night. Please don't look so shocked, Ruth. It was a case of needs must. The linen making was a joy, but it it didn't pay the bills and it couldn't put bread on the table. I was desperate to make ends meet. And probably it was nothing like you imagine. Sometimes all they wanted was somebody to talk to. Somebody who wouldn't listen, sorry, who would listen and who wouldn't judge. 
Anyway, that's the way it was. And maybe, who knows, God was able to work in that messy reality. You see, one day, two Israelite men made their way up the stairs to my home. There was no mistaking who they were. A pair of numpties, frankly. They were supposed to be spies planning an attack on Jericho. So what did they do first? Yep. Sex before duty. So careless. And then there was another knock on the door. The local lookouts had come to arrest them. Hurriedly, I shooed the two Israelites up onto the roof and hid them under the flax that I'd laid out to dry. Why didn't I hand them over? Mm, don't know. Just, it just seemed wrong. All sorts of men came to my door, and my safety was always very closely linked with theirs. Let's just say I had had a few well-known clients, and it wasn't the first time that I'd had to hide somebody. Once it was safe, I went back home on the roof, found out their plans, and made a deal with them. Yep, I've made a few deals in my time. Sometimes it feels like it's the only way. So I told them where to run away and hide, and I let them down out of the window. Yes, you've guessed it, a fair few men had gone that way before too over the years, running away from their wives, their rivals, their sons. Anyway, the deal was this, my life for their lives, and they agreed. So here we are. They went home and, you know, they didn't say a thing about what actually happened. Not about coming straight to the brothel, not about being followed because they didn't manage to hide themselves, not about the deal they'd made with me. They just told Joshua what he wanted to hear. And the attack on Jericho took place. As agreed, I tied a red cord to my window so they could find my home and my family escaped. It hasn't been easy building a new life in this place. It isn't easy wondering if one day my past will catch up with me, that someone will find out who I really am, what I used to do, and send me away. And now you're here, Ruth, and my son Boaz is to become your husband. You will be my daughter. Well, I know the inheritance rules, of course. I know that you are to continue the family line of Elimelech. But I don't care about that. I just dare to hope that we might become friends. I even dare to hope that one day you might begin to love me as I already love you. My goodness, Mother Rahab, you're an amazing woman. I can't begin to imagine your life in Jericho. The impossible choices you had to make every day, never mind the burden of keeping that secret all these years. And even now, the secrets you have to take to your grave to protect the men who came to your home. 
how could I despise you? You inspire me. Because my story is so different. I've only ever experienced love and acceptance. It was really strange when Elimelech and Naomi chose to settle in our town. Foreigners they were, and we were suspicious of them. We'd heard about the Israelites and how they thought themselves to be God's chosen. My parents were very wary of them at first. But we children were played together. My friend Orpah, the two boys and me. And over the years, we realised that they were just people like us, people who laughed and cried, people who sometimes got angry, and people who loved deeply. And it just seemed really natural when we grew up that we two girls would marry the two boys. Life was good, but then tragedy struck. First, Elimelech died. And then his two sons, our husbands, Marlon and Kilion. And there were no heirs. So we were left then, three widows with no home and no hope. Naomi said she was going to go home, back to her own people. And she told us to go back to our mother's homes and to marry local lads. But how could we do that? She was our family. So we set off with her. And every day when we got up, she said, go back, go back, go back. Eventually, Orpah, who was always more biddable than I, did as she was told. Weeping and heartbroken, she turned back home. And I still miss her, my girlhood friend, <coughs> closer than a sister. But you're right, Rahab. God was in it somehow or other. <coughs> Something stirred inside me and I found myself blurting out, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Eventually, we reached Bethlehem, and now I was the foreigner. I was the one people stared at and wondered about. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know what was expected of me, so I was totally dependent on Naomi to guide me. Gleaning in the fields, Following sex-starved reapers from dawn to dusk was a dangerous choice, but we couldn't see any option. I was so lucky to find myself in the field of your Boaz, so fortunate that he took pity on me and offered me protection from unwanted advances. And Naomi, despite her heartbroken bitterness, was excited to think we might just have found our way out. So we made a plan. It was the last night of the harvest when everything was gathered in and the threshing was complete. And there were to be, as usual, celebrations. 
much wine, women and song, if truth be told. And if anybody, well, you can guess. Don't look at me, Mother Rahab. I'm, I'm not judging the women who were down there at all. Just please listen to my story. Our plan was daring and shocking. I was to dress to allure. I was to wait until Boaz fell asleep, somewhat the worse for drink, it has to be said. And then I was to go where he lay, uncover him, his feet. Well, you know what that means, don't you, Mother Rahab? See, I, I played the seductress. I exposed his nakedness so that when he woke up hungover, he would wonder, had he? Or had he not? Boaz was a perfect gentleman. He protected my dignity at risk to his own. You should be proud, Mother Rahab. You have raised a fine son. Kind, gentle, generous and gracious. It was I, nice, sheltered, morally upright Ruth, who risked it all by behaving as I did. But then, but for the grace of God, it might have been me working the back streets of Bethlehem in order to put food on the table. I'm so excited to marry Boaz. So thrilled to become your daughter. Yeah, of, of course, Naomi is also my mother. How blessed am I to have two mothers here, having left behind my birth mother in Moab. And Mother Rahab, I'm not embarrassed by your story. And I dare to hope you will forgive my guile in seducing your son because you, blessed among women, you understand. Mother Rahab, Mother Ruth, I too am in awe. I've been feeling so alone, so isolated, so confused, so bewildered. Who is going to believe my story about an angel? People will just assume that I have loose morals, that I have lain with a Roman soldier or with some other man. Maybe even that I was down the back streets after dark. I fear being labelled as a whore a seductress, an adulteress. But you have shown me that this is already part of my story and so I don't need to be afraid. I've got no idea how my life will work out from here. Boaz sounds a bit like my Joseph. Gentle, kind, forgiving, faithful. I'm sure he will stand by me. But will we ever be safe? 
Well, we have to travel to some faraway place where we are treated with suspicion simply because we are Jewish. And will we have to keep our story secret, never telling anybody the truth if we are to keep our baby safe? Mother Rahab, Mother Ruth, blessed am I among women because you are my four, among my foremothers. Blessed am I among women because you were courageous and strong. Blessed am I among women because you have shared your stories with me. Blessed am I among women because you give me hope. Hail Rahab, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Hail Ruth, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed are the stories you tell, full of courage and resourcefulness. Blessed is the fruit of your lives, inspiring those who come after you. Holy women, foremothers of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, let us pray. It's me again, Lord, back with a list of prayers asking for your help. Brace yourself. It's a long one. At this particular time of year, I'm acutely aware it would be all too easy to turn you into a form of Super Santa Claus. You know what I mean. Like this. Dear Lord, I want an iPad for me, an Xbox, whatever that is, for the kids, a slimming solution without the discipline of a diet for me, and um, while you're at it, could you throw in world peace, a reversal of global warming, a cure for cancer, dementia and Alzheimer's, a wipeout of world debt, and um, if you have a moment to spare, could you sort out the vexatious Brexit problem for us, since it's got to the stage where I feel only you can do it, and so on, and on. <clears throat> Sorry, Lord, forgive my seeming irreverence, but no worries, for I am sure you have a keen sense of humour. After all, you made us... So, on a more serious note, I pray for the healing of our stricken world in all its defects. I pray you remind us that if terrible events happen to people hundreds of miles away from us, people who speak another language, practice another faith, it is still very much our concern, for we are linked inextricably as in a Celtic knot, with no beginning and no end, because we are born of the same universal mother and father. We are born of you, you who radiates your pure light of love and forgiveness on the dark places of our world. You who empowers us to do what we can to eradicate the darkness of exploitation and injustice, homelessness and hunger, racism and sexism. And on that last note, we are presently marking the powerful influence women had in the Bible narrative, although they were often ignored and abused. People say the times they are a-changing for the status of women Hear them roar. Oh, 
but new worries are now placed upon them socially in regard to their intimate relationships and especially as mothers. It used to be their main concerns were over their children's health, future security and happiness. But now, gender confusion is recognised and added to the mix. We pray you give strength and support and understanding to women in these continuing problems, not forgetting that some are also the lovers of men and some the mothers of boys. We pray that you reassure men they will not be devalued in this new society as they struggle to find a worthy self-image which gives equal value to both genders. I pray also that you let those women and men who find happiness and fulfilment in relationships with their own gender know that despite society's old prejudices, you are not subject to such prejudice. From the beginning of time, your love encompassed them also, and you welcome them without reservation to the table of your son, for they too are your creation. You knew them and loved them in the womb and did not try to change their nature. And now I come to the part where I pray for some of Urian folk, for certain members of our church. This Sunday, I mention in particular Fiona and Donnie. These two have shown Christian life in action throughout the years as they worked and brought up a family of fine human beings now scattered across the world. Fiona is still a teacher, one of the bravest and most thankless jobs available. When asked, Donnie and Fiona said they were so grateful they were in a joyous situation of good health and well-being without serious needs or complaints. God be thanked. I pray that situation will continue to be so. Secondly, I pray for our Barbara and Ken, two stalwart pillars of our church, both selflessly, sacrificially, tireless throughout their lives, devoting precious time and skills in supporting HBC, despite demanding jobs and bringing up a great family. And they're still doing it. Wowza! Presently, they are at a period of transition, and I pray you support them in the months to come, when, hopefully, the view out their windows will be very different from the one they have known for many years, but prove just as pleasing. Now, forgive me, with a quick segue back to God as Santa Claus. I know we will not get everything we want, this coming Christmas, either personally or in world affairs, no matter how fervently we ask. But Lord, I pray that you shine your great light 
into our hearts, showing us the riches we do have from you. A wonderful, damaged world, we have the power with your help to mend. A loving compassion for all, that no matter how broken we are, or unsure, or fearful, lets us go forward in trembling awe, assured of your support in all we do. And we can do so much. I pray we do not forget that truth. Nor, I pray, should we allow cynicism and the weight of despair over the world's ills to let us forget the day of God draws near, when all tears will be wiped away and all hearts filled with the love which comes from you. The blessed assurance given us by your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we dare to approach you as a loving, understanding parent. Loving God, hear our prayers. Amen.
In Advent, we travel the road to Bethlehem, following in the footsteps of our forebears in faith. Along the way, we meet the foremothers of Christ, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth and Bathsheba, each with her own story of sorrow and shame, each welcomed, accepted and adopted by God. At communion, we travel the road to Jerusalem, following in the footsteps of our forebears in faith. Along the way, we meet the women who knew Jesus, Mary, Elizabeth, Susanna, Johanna, each with her own story of sorrow and joy, each welcomed, accepted, and adopted by God. At this table, we anticipate the road to Calvary, following in the footsteps of our forebears in faith. Along the way, we meet each other, each with our own stories, told or untold, each welcomed, accepted, and adopted by God. So let us journey in our hearts and minds to the place where hope defies despair in an upper room at dusk as we hear the old familiar words of the Apostle Paul. I receive from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for this bread and this wine. Following the pattern of our forebears in faith enacting the symbolism expressed by your son, his body broken, his blood spilled, each of us redeemed, restored, refreshed, each of us welcomed and accepted by you. Amen. Jesus took the bread. He broke it and he shared it with his friends. And Christ, who calls us friends, invites us to share in this bread. And just before they would go back down the stairs and back out into the world,
Jesus took a cup of wine and he said to them, whenever you drink this, remember me. So we will, as is our custom, retain our glasses to drink together as we remember the Christ in whom we are one. Whatever our stories, whatever our secrets, Christ is for us. So let's claim that truth as we drink in gratitude. We leave this table to continue our journey of faith, following in the footsteps of our forebears in faith. Along the way, we will again encounter those who knew Jesus, women and men with stories like our own, each of us with our own stories to tell, each of us welcomed, accepted, and adopted by God. Amen.
as we go from here to continue our Advent journey. May we be blessed with the gift of hope and encouraged by the stories of those we encounter in scripture and in life. Thank you.